0: House Flipping HQ podcast, episode two.
1: This this, this is the House, house flipping, flipping HQ, HQ podcast. HQ. podcast.
2: Giving you the strategies, techniques, and inside secrets of house flipping from
1: today's top house flipping experts. House Flipping, House Flipping, house flipping HQ. HQ. Your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom.
2: No, no. Let's
1: get flipping with your host,
0: Justin Williams. Williams. All right, House Flipping Nation, let's get this show on the road. I'm super pumped to introduce to you our first guest ever on the House Flipping HQ podcast. He's a good friend, colleague, role model, mentor. We've done tons of business together. We've owned rentals together. We've done flips together. We've worked out together. We've been through it all together. (laughs) I'd like to introduce to you the one, the only Doug Van Soost. What's up? What's up? How's it going, Doug? You ready to get this house flipping party started or what? Uh, I'm as ready as I'll ever be, man. First guest. Excited. Let's do this. So... Doug and his amazing wife, Andrea, have been investing full-time in real estate for just over five years now. They have purchased over 150 houses and currently own 40 rentals and counting. Man, I don't know how you manage all those tenants. They have three beautiful young children, and they've built their business around the mindset of family first, which knowing Doug, I can definitely attest to that. So, all right, Doug. So, I've given House Flipping HQ Nation a brief overview of what you've accomplished in such a short period of time. Why don't you elaborate for us a little bit? I know you didn't just start flipping tons of houses last month. Give us a little more an idea of your journey, where you came from uh, and what you're currently up to. So go for it.
2: Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, first of all, thanks, man, for inviting me on. Uh, super excited. Uh, I really uh, love the website you've created. Tons of great info. Uh, what a great resource, man. I wish, I wish I would have had that site, you know, access to that site when I was first getting started, you can kind of go to a one-stop shop and get all the info you need right there. Too kind. Um,
0: Thank you. (laughs) No, and 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 of course, you
2: know, we have a lot of history together, so I, I know that you're going to put some good stuff out there.
0: That's what we're doing. Um, That's what we're trying to do.
2: (laughs) But yeah, a little bit about, uh, my wife, Andrea and I, we're kind of a partnership, um, we were married about 13 years ago, and while we were engaged, uh, one of my buddies gave us the book "Rich Dad, Poor Dad." Okay, just like half the people in this business have read that book at some point. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, we read that book, and it just completely, you know, changed our mindset on on business and investing, and uh, you know, uh, real estate, all of that. And so, literally three months into our, our marriage, we quit our jobs, we moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado, where my brother was living. And we started a concessions kettle corn business. Nice. And um just wanted to do something uh, you know, entrepreneurial. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Kind of get our feet wet with that. We did that. We loved it, had a great time. We we were in Colorado for two years selling kettle corn at all the major sporting events and Bronco games and things.
0: Broncos. And
2: uh, you know, (laughs) got a good year going here. (laughs) Um then we sold that. Uh you know, ultimately we wanted to we knew we wanted to get into real estate in, in some fashion. And we wanted to kind of come back to uh, California where a lot of uh, Andrea's family was. And so we sold our our business, moved back here um, and and got into real estate. I I got my appraiser's license, um, just started getting familiar with the industry. And Andrea got her real estate salesperson's license, Uh, you know, and then couple of years into that, you know, we're still wanting to get into real estate. Not didn't really know a whole lot about this real estate investing world other than what we read in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. But uh, I actually uh, started listening to podcasts, believe it or not.
0: Awesome. Love it. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Found a podcast on real estate investing and, and, you know, started listening and found a few more, started listening to those. And uh, what a wealth of information. I still to this day have half a dozen or more podcasts on real estate investing that I, I listen to when I'm driving around or, or working out or doing whatever. And uh, they ultimately pointed us to go to some real estate investing clubs in your local area. Awesome. And uh, did that. And, you know, long story short, uh, we ended up buying our first flip house in uh, 2008 when the market was just falling off a cliff at a rate of you know,
0: free falling.
2: Yeah. Uh, 20% a year, or yeah. 30% a year or something more even. And, uh, so it was, it was nerve wracking, but fall of 2008 bought our first house and uh, we never really have looked back. We've been, you know, full, full blast ahead uh, ever since then. A little more five. Years now.
0: So you made it work in the toughest of times, basically.
2: Yeah. I, you know, people, people were really in our family and friends we knew were, were, <laughs> were kind of thinking you're, you're doing what you're in real estate right now, you know? Uh, but we didn't look at it that way at all. Actually, we, you know, just two years before that, prices were priced out of the market, really. Yeah. And we saw it as an opportunity. I mean, the, awesome. the prices were cut in half or or even a third in some areas where we live. And we, we saw it as a chance to, to really get in, I guess, at that point.
0: Awesome. Well, I think I started maybe a year before you did. So I kind of went through the same thing and I hear you completely. Um, and I think that just goes to show that You can, if you adjust your strategy, you can do this business at any time. So yes, that's a good point. Okay, so there's a reason why I wanted to start um, with Doug as our very first ever guest. As he mentioned, uh, he's been appraiser for over five years, five or six years. Yeah, about eight years. Actually, oh, about eight years. Okay, so he's Uh, been an appraiser for eight years, full time investor for over five. Oh, uh, ten years I'm sorry oh. two
2: thousand
0: three yeah I'm nice sorry. okay so, Where the gone? <laughs> <laughs> so so Doug can see this business, and his wife andrea is a uh, a real estate agent, so of course they have m l s access so Doug is able to see this business from many different aspects, especially the when it comes to deal analyzation, and like I mentioned, that is the single most important thing um you can know about. When getting into this business, if you don't know it, you're dead in the water. They're not going to teach it to you on the house flipping shows. It may not be super exciting, uh, but that is what we're going to talk about today. Doug is going to teach us how to analyze a deal from the perspective of an investor so that you know that you're making offers that I don't want to say guarantee, nothing's guaranteed. Doug and I both know you absolutely can lose money in this business, but. So you can assure, give yourself a very good chance of making a profit and make sure you know all the expenses are involved. Uh, so we're going to kind of go through that and take you through these these steps. This is one of those episodes that you are going to want to listen to time and time again to make sure that you understand this process because this will make or break you in this business. Once again, it's not going to be all glamorous and exciting. But it is the foundation of your real estate investing business and your house flipping business, and you will not be able to do anything without it. So without further ado, Doug, are you ready to share with us your mind-blowing information and how we can make lots of money in this business? <laughs> yeah, no, no pressure, right? <laughs> no pressure at all. As it is up to you. All right, let's dive in then. Okay, Doug. So Totally new to the investment business. I really want to get into house flipping. I actually magically managed to find two deals, uh, but I have to send an offer in in one hour. I have no (laughs) idea what to offer. Um, Help me, Doug, please. I have one hour. Help me make these offers. Where do I start?
2: Sounds like uh, 2008. You have one hour. (laughs) Get your offer in and get it in fast. well, I think the first mistake that that a lot of new people will make, Justin, being that you're new, <laughs> yep. uh, is uh first mistake that you absolutely do not want to make is don't take anyone's opinion of value as the value, especially if there's an, a real estate agent who's trying to sell you this deal. And they say, hey, Justin, I've got this deal and it's worth 400000 You can have it today for $250,000 don't just take 400,000 as oh this guy's an expert he knows so it must be 400,000 big mistake you have to have a way to form your own conclusion okay and know that that property is going to sell for 400 at least you believe it's going to sell for 400 not because somebody else told you that okay uh, so the first thing you want to do is if you're thinking it's a deal you have to have a good idea of what it's going to sell for if you're gonna flip this out okay uh, the idea is to make a profit not to get a very expensive of education.
0: Okay. Um, So go to Zillow and get the Z estimate, right? The Z estimate.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's one click. It's real easy. Just go to Zillow, (laughs) type in that address. You're good to go.
0: (laughs) All right. Ready. Thanks. We'll talk to you later.
2: (laughs) You would not believe how many people do just that right there. And and that's it.
0: (laughs) I I know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that can be very dangerous. Um, So we'll 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 get to Zillow later. But you know, first thing you want to do is, I mean, if you don't have access to the multiple listing First of all, you, you got to get access to the multiple listing somehow. Um,
0: that, that multiple listing, that's called MLS, right? I think I've heard it called yeah, M- multiple listing MLS, service. Right. The M- okay. multiple
2: listing service, that's the uh, online database for you know, that all the agents will list their properties. Probably 95%, uh, at least in Southern California, 95% of all residential homes are going to be for sale listed on the multiple listing system. And not only that, it gives you, it's all the access that the agents and appraisers use to analyze those homes. So you can go to Realtor.com or Zillow, and you'll get a limited information about listings uh, in your area if you type in your area or your address. But you don't get all the data that the Multiple Listing Service will give you. Uh, there'll be days on market. There'll be comments just for the agents, you know, about that house. Oh, you know, this house is a crack slab that may not be in the actual description that you'd read on Zillow. Um, a lot of information like that. Plus you can do re- really customized searches and find, uh, you know, specific sales that you're narrowed down to your criteria that you're looking for that you probably can't do on, you know, Zillow or realtor.com. Okay. Um, so Try to get access to
0: that. So as how, how would I go about getting access to the MLS?
2: Well, you marry a real estate agent. It's
0: really <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> or you, uh, you know, in my case, I married my wife and then had her become a real estate agent. There you go.
2: There you go. Uh, well, <laughs> one thing you can certainly consider if you're in this business for the long haul, which if you're going to start flipping houses, I think you probably are get your own real estate license. I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In my opinion, it's not, you know, you'll have different opinions on that. I don't think it's a liability at all. I think it's good to get.
0: It seems like back in the day, a lot of people were saying it was a liability, but that seems to have really, that mindset seems to have really changed over the years. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're doing the right thing and just disclosing that you're an agent, I don't see a problem. (laughs) So.
1: Yeah,
2: I agree. I don't either. Um, It's just about disclosure. I mean, you're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. You're you can get access to that data. It's like 400 bucks a year or something. It's, it's really not that expensive and it's yeah. well, well worth it.
0: It's really easy to become a real estate agent.
2: Yeah. It, you know, take some tests, take a couple classes and, and you're there. Um, if you don't want to do that, you know, there's other ways, you know, become friends with a, with a, a realtor and try to work out some deal where maybe you're going to give them uh, a listing uh, you know, when you, go to sell that house. Uh, since you, you're not licensed anyway, somebody needs to list it or become a realtor's assistant. I've heard of people doing that. I've never done those things. There's probably certain rules, you know, within the different board of realtors, but uh, there's lots of ways to get access to it. And you, that's definitely a must if you're going to really be accurate on trying to determine your your value that the house will sell for. Okay. Now I call this the ARV after repaired value. So, okay. If you hear me say ARV, that's what I'm talking about.
0: After repair value. You said that's what the home will sell for. Correct. After we fix it up, right?
2: After we fix it up and do the things that we're going to do to it, that should be what the house would sell for. Okay. So when you're looking at a deal, you got an hour. You've got two houses that you're trying to determine what to make an offer on, right? Yes. Okay. So first of all, you're going to look at those houses and you're going to try to determine what if and what work needs to be done to those houses to make them sell for top dollar Um, you know that will come with experience and over time but another thing you need to do is get get pretty good at estimating repairs or evaluating the cost of what it's going to be to repair these houses um and you know that i don't have a secret formula for that it's really just getting your feet dirty and, and getting out there and and getting some uh, some quotes from different contractors. Now, you have an hour, so you don't have time to do that. But uh, there are some quick and dirty ways, I guess. If,
0: Let, if you, before well, we get too much into repairs, let's yeah. jump back a little bit to the ARV a little bit. Okay. So I've got to find this ARV. I have access yeah. to the MLS or I know someone who does. How do I know what my house is going to sell for? I'm, I kind of get it. You said what my house will. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of confused still.
2: Okay. So determining ARV, and this is, you know, could be a a whole week lesson in itself, but uh, essentially what you want to do is run comps or comparables. Okay. Now, if you don't know what that is, uh, you you try to get access to the MLS or some kind of system that's going to give you the sales data for your area. What has sold and what's for sale right now on the market. Uh, You know, big mistake to just listen to your agent on what he says it's worth. It's also a big mistake just to go look at a house and think, oh, well, I, you know, I would pay $500,000 for this house and they're willing to sell it to me for four hundred, dollars So that must be what it's worth. Okay. You, know, you really have to learn to separate your own emotions versus what the data is going to tell you.
0: So it's about the data.
2: It's about the data.
1: Okay. Um,
2: and, and here's why I say that, because coming from an, I'm an appraiser, so coming from that perspective, I need to know if I'm going to sell this house, I need to know what the buyer's lender is going to lend on the house based on what their appraiser tells them it's worth. Okay. Not what the buyer thinks it's worth, not what the buyer's agent thinks it's worth. It's all about what the buyer's appraiser thinks it's worth.
1: Okay. So
0: tell me more about this data. What kind of data am I looking for?
2: Okay. You're looking for, um, recent comparable sales. Okay. So compare what's comparable house, something with similar size, similar age, similar location. If you can get it within a, uh, within a mile for sure of your house, depending on where your house is located, preferably a half mile or less. Okay. Um, and they're also looking for recent sales. So if it sold last week and it's right down the street and it's the same size as your house, that's an excellent comparable sale. Okay. Um, the further away you go, the further back in time you go, you know, the less reliable, I guess you'd say that comparable sale would be to your house.
0: OK, so my so, agent, my agent sent me this list of houses. It has five houses that are listed for sale. It has a couple that she said are pending, which she told me that means they're under contract, but they haven't sold yet, but they might sell for this amount. And then she sent me um, six more that have sold. Now, these are all similar in location and size, but I noticed some of them need a lot of work and aren't rehabbed or fixed up at all. And then other ones are in really good condition. And what she did, she took all these numbers and she combined them and she came up with the average and she said, that's what your house is is worth. Is that right? Is that how I go about it?
2: Okay. Uh, absolutely
0: not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> the true story. This is what agents will do, right? Doug? Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is exactly how people would come to a conclusion of value though. And you can understand why. I mean, they're just going to take the sales. They're going to average it, maybe a cost per square foot, something like that. Yeah. And say, this is what it's worth.
0: And what's interesting to me is that is not the wholesale or the retail value. It's not either. It's an average or a, a you know, a median. It's yeah, really so- nothing about your house. I guess if your house is average, then it might be about right, but it's not going to help you come up with your offer in any way. So right
2: so you're looking at those sales okay the most important thing of all that data your realtor just provided you is going to be the, the houses that actually sold.
1: okay okay okay.
2: a lot of you know there may be five houses for sale that are in a different price range than what has actually sold. okay The appraiser is going to look at what has actually sold. The, the most when they're trying to compare or determine value for your house. Okay. So that's the data you want to give the most weight to. Okay. Now within those sold houses, like you mentioned, you're going to have houses that need a lot of work and you're going to houses that have houses that are beautiful remodeled um, to the condition that you're, you know, we're looking to do with, with our house that we're going to make an offer on. Okay. So, Obviously you want to take into consideration and you want to probably give more uh, of a weight or more consideration to the houses that are repaired in the condition that your house is going to be got because it. that's going to be more similar. Okay. Makes got sense. it. Okay. Yeah. You may have the same house, for example, and this was very common, especially in 2008, 2009 when, when uh, you know, foreclosures were through the roof and, and uh, you'd have two very different comparable sales. You'd have the bank owned, foreclosed houses that were dilapidated, needed a lot of repairs, then you'd have the repaired houses, the fixed houses, uh, the houses that investors had bought, fixed up, put back on the market or, you know, just, just nicer homes. So you've had very, two very different sales. So You've got to learn how to separate those.
0: Okay. Got it. So I'm going to toss out all these ones basically that need a lot of work. I'm going to focus on the ones that are fixed up and that's how I'm going to come up with what I think you called the ARV or after repaired value, which is what my home will sell for when I go to actually list it for sale after I fixed it up. That makes sense. I, okay, I gotcha. Okay. And then you mentioned from there you figure out repairs, I think.
2: Yeah. And that's a whole, probably another podcast in itself, but, um, you know, you want to. You, you, you got to get somewhat familiar with with the basic repairs you're going to be doing on a house. You know, what's it going to cost to paint? What's it going to cost to redo my, you know, remodel my kitchen to landscape the house? Yeah, you don't have to be an expert at repairs. I'm certainly, I certainly wasn't an expert when I started, and I'm still not an expert. But I have a pretty good idea now after all the houses we've done. I can get pretty close on a guess. But just starting out, you know, I, I didn't. uh I didn't know what I know now. And and you still have to make an educated guess and and get some opinions that you trust.
0: Okay. So how, are there any like rules of thumb that I can use to, uh, you know, yeah, I'll I'll take my contractor to double check the numbers, but just give me an idea so I can have an idea if I'm in the ballpark.
2: Yeah. Uh, and actually we made a really bad video about this and it's on your blog, I think so. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) There. And I'll link up to that in the show notes. There's a, I've gone through this more in detail on the on the blog, so there will be several spots in the yeah. show notes where I link up to some of those uh, posts that you can reference to. So, But let's kind of try to cover a little bit on how they can kind of start the estimating repairs process or a few formulas they can use to help them okay. out.
2: Okay. Well, it certainly will vary, it vary depending on your area and what types of homes and neighborhoods you're in. But for most of the areas that I work in, which is just the uh you know move in uh the first-time home buyer type properties and maybe the move up properties. Um we do a, a quick estimation based on the square footage of the house. Okay. Um so let's say we have a thousand square foot house and we kind of have, I don't know, three tiers that we would estimate. Uh maybe $15 a square foot if it's doesn't need a whole lot. Uh maybe for a middle repair job, maybe $20 a square foot. And if you're gonna redo everything, maybe twenty-five dollars a square foot, and maybe even add some on top of that if there's big items like a pool or it needs a roof complete roof replacement, okay. you know, things like that. Okay. So you can just estimate. I mean, you know, say twenty-five dollars a square foot on a thousand square foot house. That's gonna be a twenty-five thousand dollar rehab. Um, again, don't go by that completely, but that is a good way to just kind of ballpark a repair estimate. Um, if you, if you have to do it quickly and, and try to get close.
0: Okay. So this is kind of the rule I go by, um, which I think you, I don't know if you taught it to me or we discussed it together or what, but basically, uh, if it's a house that basically needs everything redone, uh, flooring, new bathrooms, new kitchens, paint, you know, carpet, hardwood flooring, I already mentioned that baseboards, uh, maybe a little bit of landscaping in the back maybe some new doors basically needs a complete, what I would call a cosmetic remodel, nothing, Mm -hmm. no major plumbing issues, no major electrical, no structural or roof or pool or HVAC. Then that's where I would say, okay, you're about $20 per square foot, right?
1: Yeah. That's kind of the middle. yeah. Yeah.
0: So a thousand square foot home, you're looking at 20 grand for something like that. A 1500 square foot home, about 30 grand. And then on top of that, um you know you can add another five to eight thousand for a r- roof another five thousand if you need to redo some pool work and that and that's going to give you an idea we don't want anyone to go out and say hey these guys told me this is what it was going to cost to fix our house this is our disclaimer right. <laughs> but i'll kind of give you an idea of going into it what the repairs would be okay cool so and then and then of course you can subtract as well if there's a lot less work, which would bring you to like what you mentioned, the $15 per square foot amount. And we'll link up to that again in the show notes on our, on some of the posts that go into that in more detail. And as always, you can ask questions in the comments below and I'm sure Doug will hop on and help us get some of those answered. Right, Doug?
1: Oh yeah. That's how you
0: commit somebody online, live, (laughs) commit them in front of thousands of people. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Doug. So we've come up with our ARV, our after repair value. We have figured out the repairs. We, at least we have a pretty good idea. Okay. Going back on repairs real quick. I'm really scared because if I'm off by a thousand dollars, then I'm going to lose a thousand dollars. Right. When I go to sell the house, I mean, I just lost a thousand dollars because my repair estimate was off by a thousand dollars. So I'm toast, right?
2: Listen, if you're, if you, in my opinion, if your deal is that tight. It, you're, that's not a deal. You should, probably shouldn't be buying it if you're trying to pinpoint repairs down to within a thousand dollars, making or breaking, losing money or making money on this house. Okay, uh, that's my opinion. Okay. Now um, yeah, we have a. I don't know if you want me to go into the basic, you know, universal formula for buying a house. Uh, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Okay, so there's a formula that most people use, and I think it's a good one to stick. To, until you can, you know, fine tune your numbers and get really good at this, you might be able to get more aggressive. But uh, the general rule of thumb that's going to keep you pretty safe on buying a house is what's called this uh, uh, 70% rule. So you want to take that after repaired value number that we've just determined, whatever that is. Okay, let's say it's uh, $200,000. Uh, multiply that by 70%. Okay. So times 0.7. I don't have my calculator here, but whatever that number gives you.
1: One okay. One forty, right?
2: One yeah, one one thirty, I think. Oh, is it one thirty? Okay. Well uh, no, one forty. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: If our uh, math is wrong, gonna, I'll edit this part out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> then you're gonna subtract the repairs uh that you estimated. So on that house, say that was a thousand square foot house that we estimated, you know, twenty dollars a square foot. Okay. Uh, that's uh two thousand or twenty thousand dollars. I really need a calculator here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got the one hundred and forty minus the twenty thousand dollars. That's going to make your offer price or your buy price, rather, that you can buy the house at at one hundred twenty one hundred twenty thousand dollars.
0: Okay, so the house is worth two hundred when I after I fix it up, not worth currently. Uh, but you, fix- okay, the ARV, right. like you said. And I'm gonna offer 120 based on the formula. Okay. Right. Okay. So now,
1: what the formula does that
0: accounts for? There we go.
2: Commissions to your real estate agents. Okay. Possible credit to your buyer. You know, it figures a whole time of four to six months with carrying costs in that. Okay. Uh, some contingency in there if you work it all out, it should give you a 10 to 12% profit or more on the after repaired value. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, that's for a beginner. You don't want to assume that you're not going to have expenses that you may have. Okay. Um, want to be safe and okay. conservative yet. Uh, you know, you still want to uh, buy a house and, and you know, makes money. Okay. So the 70% rule will account for a lot of expenses and, you know, if your price drops 5% in that time period, for some reason, you're still going to be okay.
0: You're still going to be okay. I'm not going to lose yeah. $10,000 because my price dropped a little bit. Right. You shouldn't.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned commissions and closing costs. Uh, it sounds like you gave me a formula. that helps me figure those out. That's awesome. I could basically skip even knowing that, but just so I have a better idea, what are some of those expenses and about what are they more or less that, you know, I haven't heard discussed on these house flipping shows. I've never heard them talk about that. It seems like yeah. they include the repairs and the purchase price and the rest is profit. But you telling right. me that's not true. <laughs> ah, darn it.
2: Not true. Not true. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of costs involved in uh, buying a house and selling a house that, Aren't necessarily in the little uh, numbers on the bottom of the screen on the, the house flipping
1: shows. Okay. Uh,
2: so typically, when you're selling a house, you're going to need the assistance of a real estate agent, um, possibly two. One to list the house on the market, and another one who's going to be the, the agent representing the buyer uh, for that potential house. Well, the going rate is anywhere from two and a half to three percent of the purchase price per side. So you want to figure on six percent commission off the top. And that just goes to the real estate agents for selling the house. Okay. Um, well, but I want to sell it by owner or, well, I want to do this. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, most people are going to list the property on the market to get it exposed to as many buyers as possible. You want to figure that in when you're selling house, especially if you're new. Okay. Um, so you want to figure out about 6% for commissions. There may be another 2 to 3%. For a credit to the buyer. Sometimes they ask for a credit uh, for closing costs or for this or that repair, or termite, or what have you. Um, termite's another thing that's gonna come into play. You always have to have a termite inspection. And if you didn't do that when you bought the house, you may have some termite repairs to do. Um, and then you have holding costs. People always forget holding costs. Unless you bought this property with cash out of your pocket um, that you had. Uh, you want to, you're probably going to be borrowing money to, to buy the house. Most, most of us do, I do. Yep. And so there's a, a cost to that money to buy it, to, to borrow it. And then each month it's accruing interest. So you have to figure on whatever that cost is. Um, and then I would always have a, you know, two to 3% contingency. You just don't know what else is going to come up. What are the repairs you're going to have to do as you get into escrow or, um, perhaps you need to lower your price for some reason, Uh, a little bit to compete with, uh, you know, another house that came on the market. You just don't know. So you want to have enough of a cushion to, you know, be able to adjust if you need to and still make a profit.
0: Okay. Awesome. And once again, I go over this in more detail um, on my blog about analyzing properties, which we'll hook up to in the show notes. So, um, okay. Incredibly valuable content. you're telling me that that 70% rule should pretty much cover those costs, right?
2: Yeah, I'm saying if you're new, that's a good rule of thumb to, to use. That uh, takes into consideration all of those costs.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, does that rule work if, let's say, that I have a major fixer upper? Maybe I mean building a house. Um, it's going to take me about a year and a half, or a year to a year and a half to finish. Should I still use the seventy percent rule?
2: Uh, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, you know, like I said, I think it comes for you know four to six percent. Uh, I'm sorry, four to six months of okay. uh, time okay. frame. That's what your target would be there. Okay. Um, you're talking a, a year and a half. Just add in the extra cost for all of that.
0: Okay. Uh, awesome. And yeah. I, would, I, I think you and I, like over time, you mentioned if you're starting out because you want to make sure you have all your bases covered. You know, if you want to buy a higher volume and you get really good experience, you may push that number a little bit to 75% or something. And assuming it's an easy rehab. Um, But those are all things you learn over time, right? I mean, it's, when you're yeah. first starting out, the key is actually getting out there and making offers. And you're going to learn so much just from doing that. Even if you don't get a ton of offers accepted, you're going to have a much better fill for what you're doing.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, you're going to be basically estimating repairs on all these houses while you're making the offers. You're just going to get better at that. You're going to be comping out or you know running comparables on all the different houses that you're making offers on. Uh definitely need to get out there and make a bunch of offers cause you'll learn just from that. Awesome. Actually, we made, you know, we didn't go into this, but we made offers with actually had an agent writing the offers for us, but we were the ones finding the, the homes on the MLS and doing the research for probably six to eight months before we actually bought our first house. Um, wow. so we, we were hundred, hundred offers or more before we actually got a house. And that, that was, you know, it depends on the market and what you're doing, but at the time that's, that's what we
0: did. Okay. So you made like a hundred, really a hundred offers before you <laughs> bought your first house. I'm, I'm not saying that as the investor, I'm saying that as the new, the new uh, person looking to invest, I'm shocked. Right. So it's important that it, it's a numbers game, right?
2: It, it, it is. Um, and it certainly wasn't at that time. Uh, but again, this was 2008 inventory exploded because there's all these foreclosures that came on the market. Right. Um, and, the, and the, because prices were falling. So that 70% rule, I was even going like, I think we were doing the 60% rule. Wow. Because we were trying to, we knew that in six months, our house was going to be worth 10% less than it is today.
0: Good point. So Okay. So there's some Martin things you should adjust well. for. Okay.
2: Yeah. there's You know, the 70% rule isn't right for every situation, but it is a good rule.
0: And that's such a good point, I think, because someone might be listening to this, you know, a few years from now. And if for whatever reason the market's going down, I'm not saying I'm not predicting the market here. I'm just saying <laughs> you want to adjust that down, or maybe the reason why you know, I feel like we can push it a little bit right now is because of the market's going up. Not that I would push it too much, but um, you know, you you want to adjust for what's happening now. I'm not right. saying adjust very much. I don't want to make this sound wrong. We don't have a crystal ball and we can't predict the future. But if you know the market is free falling, subtract. Yeah that amount of money that you plan on making from your deal. So,
2: yeah, again, be smart Try to know the the trend of which way the market's going and, you know, to your best guess, where you think it will be in six months. Nobody has a crystal ball, but that's why I listen to people smarter than me when it comes to that. Um, And uh, you know, whatever risk level you are comfortable with, Um, like you say, right now, I can kind of push those numbers a little bit. We feel the market has improved and is still improving. So,
0: Awesome. It changes every
2: six months, it seems like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) You've got to stay on top of this business. Yeah. Well, um, wow, Doug. I mean, you've shared with us some valuable content, uh, and we're all better off because of it. We thank you. We salute you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What is one last piece of advice that you would give to any new investor looking into getting to the house flipping business or someone who really wants to take it to the next level? What is what is one parting piece of advice you would give for them?
2: Well, you know, I, I, I just keep kind of coming back to this. It's it's just take massive action and believe that what you're doing is believe that this business can work, essentially. If, you, if you're brand new, you've never bought a house, I've made offers for six to eight months, didn't buy a house, but we still knew and believed that we can make this work and that this business can happen. Um, so it's take action, do something, um, always continue to educate yourself along the way. Even now, I'm always listening to podcasts, going to seminars, and you know, uh, can't get enough education and can't uh, learn enough about this business. You're always learning. But the flip side of that is you don't need to know everything to get started. Um, you, you just need to know step one. Evaluate your deal make some offers. You know, you, you don't worry about step two, three, four, and five when you haven't even completed step one yet. So don't get too bogged down in all the things you don't know. Just focus on what you do. Take some massive action in some way, whether that's getting an agent and making offers on the multiple listing, whether that's sending out a bunch of letters to homeowners, whether it's knocking on doors, seeing if people want to sell their house, whatever it is, whatever your method is going to be, do it. Do it consistently. Do it over and over, and believe it. It's going to work.
0: Love it. Love it. Get educated. Take massive action. Surround yourself with amazing people like Doug Van Seust <laughs> and you're going to be set. So,
2: yeah, uh, I appreciate appreciate all the kind words, man. Seriously, <laughs> though, you you uh, we, we really uh, you know, you always mention that you've learned a lot from us and things like that. Oh, man. But- we, uh, vice versa, we've learned tons of things, especially about the way you put systems together and your, your whole uh, idea of uh, making this a business. I've uh, really tried to take that to heart recently and, and kind of things we've been implementing. So, uh, uh okay. you've been instrumental with
0: that I, I, as well. So, appreciate that. I appreciate it as well. I can't, uh, you know, thank you enough. So, um, okay, before we, we leave, is there anything we can do for you and how can anyone on the line, uh, connect with you?
2: Um, you can go, we have a website and also I'm on Facebook. i uh, love to connect with anyone out there who has any questions or, or anything. I'm always willing to help here in Southern California. Uh, our website is freedomrealestatesolutions.com um, and got a the blog there and just some before and after videos and stuff that we've done. Uh, or you can go to uh, facebook.com backslash Doug Van Seuss. And I know it's tough to, to spell my name, but it's D O U G V A N S O E
1: S P.
0: Awesome. Like so. And we will, once again, we'll link up to both of those in the show notes. Doug, okay. I cannot thank you enough. Please keep selling his houses. <laughs> <laughs> We've bought lots yeah. of houses from Doug recently. It's been lots of fun. Um, i'm coming. <laughs> keep them coming, man. Keep them coming. Anyway, thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you, Justin. Take care. All right. House Flipping Nation. I hope you enjoyed that interview just as much as I did. Doug is an amazing investor and an overall just great guy. Just to give you an idea, Doug is the only person I've ever allowed my parents to lend capital to to finance his house flipping deals. Well, other than myself, of course. But just an incredible guy an amazing person. I'm really glad we were able to have him on today's show. Now, if you have any questions at all, please head over to House Whooping HQ, where you can find all kinds of other incredible resources. If you have any questions in regards to this specific episode, you can go to the podcast section and go ahead and find Doug Van Soost's interview and leave any questions you have in the comments section. And either myself and or Doug will be more than happy to answer those. And now I have a favor to ask you. If you would be so kind, if you feel like you got any value out of this or anything that we're doing here at House Whooping HQ, please head over to iTunes. Leave us an honest rating and review. Subscribe to the show. What this will do is it will help us be able to reach more people like yourself, be able to get the show out there even more, which will allow us to continue to grow and continue to have amazing guests on our show just like Doug. So head over to iTunes. Leave us an honest rating and review. I was going to say honest five-star rating. Hopefully, it's five-star rating uh, and review. Subscribe to the show. Keep spreading the word. And we will see you on the next show. Until then, happy house flipping.
1: Your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom.
2: Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.